Okay, tonight's daf is daf Lamed Gimel 33. So we're continuing to discuss this topic of what is called the Asa Mitzrah, the Egyptian myrtle branch, right? So the Egyptian Hadas, which actually has seven leaves coming out of each of the specific holes in the stem. So yesterday what we learned is that even if four of those leaves out of the seven fall off on the ground, three are still remaining, and it still has this situation where it has many, many, many leaves coming out and would still be kosher for Hadassim. So we're on the third line. Amar Abaya, Abaya says, Shimami na hai asa mitzra kosher leheshana. Abaya says, we see from here that it must be that if you have an Egyptian myrtle branch, it is able to be used for heshana in general. Shita the Gemara says, this is obvious. It's a, it's a hadas. Why wouldn't it be able to be used? Since it has an additional name, it has a qualifying name, it would not be kosher to be used. That indeed it is kosher. Maybe indeed it should be not kosher because it is an Egyptian hadas after all. And maybe it should be not kosher. When the Torah says avos, a dense, many-leafed tree, all it's teaching us is many-leaf tree. So no matter what type of many-leaf tree, as long as it is a um, a myrtle, it will be kosher. Tanur Abana, we learned in Abaisa. Yavshu roiv alav, nisharu alin lachin kosher. If most of its leaves have dried up on this hadas, three of the branches still have moisture remaining in their leaves, kosher, it is still kosher. And this is true only when the, the leaves that are still moist are on the top of those branches. But if they're not on the top and they're on the middle or the bottom, then they are no longer kosher. Continue to analyze the Mishnah. If the top of the myrtle branch of this hadas was actually cut off, it's possible. Tani Ula Barchinna. Ula Barchinna taught. Nikdam Roshleva also by Tamara Kasher. Let's say the top of the myrtle branch was cut off, but instead, in its place, a tamara, which is some sort of a berry that grows on the hadasim, grew in its place, it becomes kosher. By Rabbi Yemi, Rabbi asks a question. Niktam Let's say before Yamtif begins, the top of this myrtle branch was cut off. So, in other words, when Yamtif began, this myrtle branch was not fit to be used for your hadas. Then sometime on Yamtif, a berry grew in the place of where the top had been cut off. Mahu, what's the halacha? So what's the Gemara asking? The Gemara is asking a very fundamental question. There's a topic that has come up previously in, in, uh, in Shas. We have a concept called dichoi, right? Dichoi means that something has been pushed off from being used. It is no longer valid to be used under certain circumstances. The Gemara is asking like this. This object, this item, this hadas was invalid to be used for the mitzvah of hadasim when Sukkot began because they had a cut off top. Do we say Do we say that something which is not fit to be used for a mitzvah becomes permanently disqualified or not? The Gemara says, well, let's answer this question from that which we learned in a Mishnah. Let's say you cover up the blood of an animal that is supposed to be covered. In other words, the mitzvah of Kisei Hadam, which applies to which applies to certain animals, certain kosher animals after shechita, you have to cover up the blood. So what happens is like this. Kiso'u, they covered up the blood, the fellow covers up the blood, and then it becomes uncovered. You don't have to cover it again a second time. That's only true when what happened is, that's only true when what happened is the, 
the way that it became covered in the first place was to become covered from the from a human. But if it became covered by a by the wind itself covers and blows the dust on top of it, right? So you're only obligated to cover it, right? If the blood had become exposed, but if the blood did not become exposed after the wind covered it, then you're not obligated to cover it. So we just learned three halachas. If you cover it yourself, and then it becomes uncovered afterwards, you do not have to cover it a second time because you fulfilled the mitzvah of covering it. If the wind covered it, and then it became uncovered, then you're obligated to recover it. But if the wind covered it, but then did not become uncovered again, then you are exempt from covering it. And we discussed this further. When the wind covered it, and then it became exposed, why are you obligated to cover it again? At the time that the wind covered the blood with dust, he had become exempt from covering the blood. So if so, then even if the blood is uncovered in the future, he should be exempt. So why is he indeed obligated to cover it in that case? Papa says, Papa says, it must be that there's no such thing as getting pushed off when it comes to doing a mitzvah. In other words, the same way that the mitzvah opportunity had fallen off because it was already covered and you're then obligated to recover it again in the future, notwithstanding the fact that it's previously covered. Because we don't say that a temporary uh, pushing off of the mitzvah opportunity becomes permanent. So too over here, right, we should say the same halacha. That when circus came in and it was not valid to be used for your hadas because the top was cut off, well, once the berry grew in its place, then it jumps back up to being once again fit for being used as your hadas. The Gemara says, no. You have to understand, the reason why we didn't want to say that is because her Papa's question itself was going to be the, the basis of Rabbi Yirmiya's question. So, there are Papa Gufa Mibayle. It is Pashat that there is no way that you can have something that gets pushed off when it comes to being a mitzvah. Just because it was invalid earlier does not make it invalid later. It doesn't make a difference if this is going to lead to a leniency. It doesn't make a difference if it's going to lead to a stringency. Or perhaps, indeed, he was a masupik about it. He was in doubt about it. Or do we say, perhaps, um, when do we say that getting pushed off is not going to be a problem? That's only when it leads to stringency. Then we say that there's no dichoy and, and we still can be stringent. We still can have the mitzvah opportunity again. But when it comes to leniency, then maybe we should be maybe we should say the opposite. That if it comes to being lenient, then we should say that yesh that there can be pushed off. Teku. So therefore the Gemara ends with what is called a teku, we leave with a question. The Gemara says like this this question of disqualification when it comes to a mitzvah that was invalid earlier becomes invalid for later too. Let's say that's really machikastanaim. Let's say someone cuts off the berries from the the hadas on Yamtif. In other words, there are too many berries and therefore the hadas is invalid to be used. The halacha is, if he ends up doing this, he's not allowed to, but if he does, puzzle. If he takes off the berries in Yamtif, it is now not kosher anyways. The Gemara thinks at this point that everyone agrees that a lulav does not require to be bound on a Torah level together with the other species to be kosher. And even if one would suggest that perhaps it does require being bound up together, still, we would agree that we don't learn out the laws of the lulav from the laws of sukkah. When it comes to a sukkah, we say that at the time that the schach are put on top of the, of the, um, 
of your structure, it has to be kosher. And if afterwards it's rendered kosher by removing an obstacle, and at the time that the schach was put on, it was still invalid, then we typically we would say it has to be tasevelomenasi. It has to be made in a fashion that is kosher. And it can't be an incidental making of it kosher. So what would we think? We would think that the, that the question the Gemara is asking is like this. If you say that a lola re- it requires to be bound together with the other species, so you bound the lola together with the other species before yamtiv, and then afterwards you took off the berries on yamtiv. So at the time you bound together the lola, it was not going to be a situation where you could actually use this lola because the lola is bound together with these hadasim, and the hadasim have these berries that invalidate them. So if you say that you would learn out the laws of lola from the laws of sukkah, well, then you should have a scenario where the same way by the sukkah, it would be not kosher to stay in that sukkah because at the time that the, when the sukkah was initially put up, the schach were put into a place where it was invalid. So, so too over here, it should be invalid. So it must be that we do not learn out the laws of lola from sukkah. My lab is and not that this is the argument. The man, the pasel, the one who says that this is pasel, savar, he believes, aminan that we say, there's, sorry, that a mitzvah can be pushed off. And the one who says that it's kosher held, and the one who says that it is kosher holds, that we do not say that there's disqualification with regard to a mitzvah. So even though this hadas was unfit at the time that Yom Tif began, the fact of the matter is, once it became fit, after the berries were removed on Yom Tif, now it's fit. Okay, good. Now it's fit, then you can be used. The word says light, not true. Everybody agrees that we don't say disqualification or to be pushed off when it comes to a mitzvah. Just because it was invalid earlier does not mean it'll be invalid later. The only machlegas is do we derive the laws of lulav from the laws of sukkah? Marasava, one of them held yafin and lulav misukkah. We learn out the laws of lulav from the laws of sukkah. Marasava lay yafin and lulav misukkah. One of them holds we do not learn out the laws of lulav from the laws of sukkah. Another answer would be. If you held that lulav actually requires to be bound up beforehand, everybody would agree that you learn out the laws of lulav from the laws of sukkah. And over here, the machlekas says when it comes to lulav, does it require to be bound up with the other species or not? We've looked at the Hani tonight, and it's based on the machlekas of these tonight. A lulav, whether it is bound, whether it is not bound, kasher, it is kosher. Yehuda says if it's bound up together, it is kosher. If it's not bound up together, it is not kosher. My time of Yehuda, what's the reason for Yehuda? He learns out the, when one place in the Torah it says to take a bundle, another place it says to take a bundle. It says you shall take your lulav, and it says you shall take the bundle of hisap. So when it says to take the bundle of hisap, it says about lulav that you shall take for yourself on the first day. And it's written over there, and you should take the, what we're talking about over there in the carbon Pesach, the very first carbon Pesach in Mitzrayim, where they had to take the bundle of hisap and sprinkle from the blood or smear the blood on their doorposts. Right? So over there it says, and they shall take. Over there it's talking about, just like over there, aguda, it's talking about a bundle. Afkan aguda, so to here it's talking about a bundle. The do not hold of this drasha of Lekicha Lekicha to compare Lekicha by Pesach to the Lekicha of the Lolov. Who is the Taina who taught that which we learned in Abraisa? Lolov mitzvah there is a mitzvah to bind it up together. But if you did not bind it up together, it is still kosher. Mani, who is it? 
Rabbi Yehuda, if it's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, if you do not bind it up together, then why is it kosher? And according to the Chachamim, then what mitzvah did he actually do? We have to say, indeed, is the opinion of the Chachamim. And the mitzvah over here is the Pasuk in the Torah, which says, This is my God, and I will glorify him. So the mitzvah is not because of the drasha, but it's rather because it's a more beautiful way to fulfill the mitzvah. Continuing to analyze the Mishnah. Or if the berries are more numerous than its olive, than its leaves, it is not kosher. The statement was quoted by our great teacher, Rav, and Hashem should come to his assistance. This is only true when the berries are in one specific place. It's in two or three places, it is still kosher. Amalei Rava, Rava says, If the berries are in two or three different places, of course it's going to be pasal. It's actually worse if it's not concentrated in one place, because then it's becoming speckled. It looks like a leopard. And therefore it's clearly not nice, and therefore it was clearly pasal. So if you want to change the statement, let's state the statement like this. In the cases that if its berries are more numerous than its leaves, pasal, it is not kosher. This matter was said by our great teacher, and Hashem should be on his side. This is only true when the berries are black. But if the berries are green, meaning then it's considered to be very similar to the actual branches of the myrtle, and therefore it will still be kosher. The legal status of red berries is like black berries. This black blood is actually considered to be like red blood, except it has gotten um, turned a little bit, um, it's starting to go bad. So red and black are very similar colors, according to halacha, and therefore the same way it's true when it comes to dam nida, to the blood of a menstruating woman, it is also true when it comes to the status of red berries, the same way black berries are possible, so to red berries are possible. Mishnah continues, Imiatan, if you have removed their berries, kosher, it is kosher. When did he remove these berries? If you're going to tell me that he did it before he actually bound it up together with the lulapshita, it's obvious that it's kosher. So it must be that he did this after he had already bound it up with the lulav. Then the problem is, well, at the time that he bound up the lulav, he bound it up with these hadasim that were not yet kosher. So why would this be okay? You should see from over here, that to be pushed off from its beginning is not going to permanently disqualify it. So although initially it was not valid to be used for your lulav and hadasim together, but at the end of the day, it is okay, even though initially not okay. So we see from here that we don't say that if something was pushed off earlier, it's pushed off permanently. You have to say that the case is that indeed it was taken off after it was bound together. And they have to say that when you bind it together, it's only considered to be hazmana. It's, a, it's only preparing it, and it's not enough of an action to really be considered to ha- shed any light on the general question of do we say dichoy me'ekara have dichoy or not. Hazmana ba'alma lap klumu. And hazmana ba'alma is not really anything that is going to affect on a permanent basis. So it's not going to shed light on the question of dichoy me'ekara regarding regarding um, regular cases of mitzvahs that were invalid initially and then later on became able to be used, is it considered invalid forever or not? So the Gemara says, And you're not allowed to, do, you're not allowed to lessen the number of berries on Yom Tif. 
But if indeed you violated this prohibition and you did less than them, my, what's the halacha? Kasher, they're kosher. The ashkar emas. When did they exactly turn black? If you say that the berries turned black yesterday, it's a case of where it was turned black from the day before and pushed off already the day before. We should see from here that being disqualified from the beginning is not considered to be a permanent disqualification. Rather, it must be that they turned black on Yom Tiv. Then one second, we see from here is that something which was valid to be used and then got pushed off from being used. And we see from here that if something which was valid and then became invalid and then became valid again, then indeed it will work. And this is going to help us resolve a question that we've uh, asked earlier. The word says, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Indeed it was black before Yom it's pushed off initially. You see from here that the fact that it's pushed off initially does not render it invalid for the rest of Yom Tif. But you wouldn't be able to bring a proof to the case of where it was fit, then became unfit, and then once again became unfit again. Rashi says, I'm sorry, skip line. We learned in Rabbi You're not allowed to make it less on Yom Tif. said, you are allowed to make a less. You're fixing something on Yom Tif. You're not allowed to fix it. In other words, you're rendering this able to be used for a purpose on Yom Tif that was not able to be used beforehand. The cases where you took off the berries for the sake of eating the berries themselves. And Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, holds like his father, Rabbi Shimon, who said, This we have learned before in Shabbos and Irvin, I believe in Sachem as well. Rabbi Shimon's opinion is that something which was an in, unintended consequence of an action is permitted to be done. And over here, you intended to remove the berries to eat the berries. And then, incidentally, it also then turns out that you rendered it valid to be used as a hanas. Well, that's called Davar Shimon and it's okay according to Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara says, one second, even Rabbi Shimon agrees, everyone agrees that Rabbi Shimon agrees to Rabbi Yehuda, that in a case where you cut the chicken's head off, it is inevitable that this will be the result. And even if Shimon agrees that it's prohibited. Over here, it is inevitable that when you pick off the berries for the sake of eating them for food, that the hadas will then become permitted. How is this okay? You have to say the case is like this. He had other hashanas that were kosher to be used for his hadas. He wanted to eat the berries on this hadas. And incidentally, he rendered it fit to be used as a hadas on Yomtev. But because he had other, other hadasim that were ready to be used, it's not considered to be an incident where he had an uh, intention to render it valid by taking off the berries because he didn't know reason for him to have that intention. He already has fit hadasim elsewhere. We learned in Yarek. If the thing tying together the lulav opened up yamtif, you can bind it again like the binding of a vegetable. Vamai, the Gemara says, why do you just tie it in one simple knot? Why can you tie it? Why can you tie it in a bow? This is Rabbi Yehuda. This is Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion, as we learned in Shabbos, that tying a bow is considered to be a full-fledged knot and forbidden to be done on Shabbos or Yamtif. If it's Rabbi Yehuda, then we have a problem. Because Rabbi Yehuda holds that a lulav does require aget. It does require being bound. And if it does require being bound, then it should be bound like a true binding, like for the agudas ezev, like the hisap bundle for Pesach. So how would it be sufficient to tie a very simple knot that's not be sufficient? 
You have to say that he, this Tana, who quoted in our Mishnah, he held like Rabbi Yehuda in terms of requiring a, uh, not, not in terms of requiring a full-fledged knot, that he did not hold like Rabbi Yehuda. But he held like Rabbi Yehuda that to tie it in a bow, that itself is considered a knot. Suck the new Mishnah. Arava gzula v'yavesha, a arava, right? The willow, if it is gzula, um, if it is stolen, or if it's dried out, psula, it is no longer valid to be used. If it was worshipped or if it belonged to a Yerhanidachas, to a city in which everyone worshipped idols, then it has to be completely destroyed down to the ground. Sula, it, is, it cannot be used. Nikdam Reisha, if its top was cut off. Nifritu Aleha, if its olive um, fell off. Sula, these are all cases where it is possible. Kimusha, but a willow branch that is not dried out fully, but it's become a little bit dry. Or if part of its leaves have fallen off. Or from the bal, it is, in other words, something that does not grow from from a river, but actually has to be from an irrigated field. Kshera, it is kosher. Tanar we learned in Abraisa. Arve nachal, it says, the willows of the brook. Hagadelin ala nachal, they should be the ones growing by the river. Davar achar, another way to say this. Arve nachal, willows of the river. Sha'ala shaloy mashach nachal. It's a tree whose branches or whose leaves are not going to be not, not lengthened, or, I'm sorry, who are lengthened like a river. In other words, they are long and narrow leaves. Tanya Idach, we learned in another b'raisa, Arve Nachal. It says in the Pasuk that you shall take Arve Nachal. These, uh, these, these willows have to be willows that grow seemingly by the Nachal, by the river. Eniela Arve Nachal, this only teaches you the ones that grow by the, by the water from the river. Shabal v'shalhara minayin. How do you know that the willows of a field and the willows from the mountains, how do you know that they're also kosher? Tamleh, whatever the Pasuk says, Arve Nachal mikol makimah. It says, Arve Nachal, it comes to teach you any type of arava at all and not specifically the arava from the river, any river at all. Okay, take care everyone. Good night.